Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. Plenty more rugby for us to get through in the next hour or so. No Rainbow Cup action this weekend, unfortunately, but it was good of the Heineken Cup boys to step in and fill the void. So we've got a, a bit of that to look forward to. We've also got some listeners' questions to dive into. as the regular Lions Watch feature, which will uh, keep you up to date with the form of Lions players. Not that many were in action this weekend, but still no shortage of stuff for us to talk about. And I'm delighted to say joining me to do that are the regular lineup with Dan Killick and the Mighty Murph. How are you, Dan? I'm good, thanks, Jeds. Yeah, I had managed to get a bit of downtime this weekend. Listen to um, managed to listen to a little bit of music, a bit of training, a bit of family time. Nice mix, really. Which is a, a rarity for a captain of industry like you, isn't it? It is a rarity. Yeah, yeah, it is a rarity. So well rested, We're ready to go. And how are you doing, Murph? Very well, thank you. Yeah. Um, no downtime for me, I'm afraid. But you know, what can you do? Um, yeah, relentless. Relentless. Well, let's hope. Uh, let's hope this this will be a, a bit of downtime for you. Opportunity to talk rugby without the, uh, yeah, without the stresses and strains of the Rainbow Cup. Um, where should we start? Let's start with the Heineken Cup final, shall we? So, I'm starting to think that you're bordering on clairvoyant with your predictions because, you know, your Six Nations predictions were very, very accurate. Two or three weeks ago, you said, uh, I can very much see the Toulouse-La Rochelle cancelling each other out. And that mm. pr- pretty much is what happened, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, I take full credit for all those guesses I threw out. As no, well, I mean, as well you should. Well, it, look, it, it, it's happened so many times before. It's not just um, this particular pairing matchup in the final. When they're, when they're, On other occasions, when you've had countries from the same nation in the final, they know each other really well and... That's, that's where it leads to, or can lead to, and that's what happened yesterday. It was still, I mean, it was still a good game. I mean, it was eventful. I wouldn't, I think, uh, I can't remember which broadcaster it was, but he was saying, I wouldn't want to ref this. Yeah. Because it was fairly eventful, you know, big calls to be made. So, um, yeah, not probably not a, uh, a classic, but still, you know, very high quality players all over the pitch. Yeah, it just felt to me, I, I don't know, I just felt the whole time like, I couldn't see La Rochelle doing it. You know, I, I obviously the, the red card made that yeah made that all the more difficult. But I just felt like even when things got tight on the scoreboards, I just didn't feel like they were going to do it because they bungled a few opportunities in the first half. And yeah, it didn't. I don't know for some reason for a game that was that close on paper, it didn't it didn't really really feel that tense to me. But maybe again, that's because I'm just not emotionally invested in either of the sides. 
Yeah, I agree. But having said that, if they'd had a kicker, it would have got really tight. I mean, um, I think he missed nine points off the tee, didn't he? Yeah, and he, he I think three times he hit the post. One was yeah. a, a graze, and then two f- full on. And they're all they're all kicks that should have been kicked. I think in a you know. Oh, like if you're going to win it, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that I mean that would have made it, it would have made the complexion of the game very difficult. It would have put a pile more pressure on Toulouse. And uh, as it was, you're right. It, it always felt like they were slightly at arm's length, and um, that's the way it ended up. But uh, yeah, I, I mean we mentioned before. When we were talking about the build-up to it, that it felt like it was too soon for La Rochelle because it's kind of a new coaching setup and group of players that have come together. And they normally, when they if they're on the way to winning a European Cup, they normally have to have some setbacks over the seasons beforehand and then go kick on from there. And I think the, I mean, John O'Gibbs is leaving. I think, and I don't know what Ogara's future is, but I think whoever's taking them forward, he'll, first things first. I probably wouldn't say that outside halves kicking is good enough to win um, anything major. Well, it's not. Yeah, it wasn't based on on yesterday's performance because I think those those big pressure kicks they they were all kickable, but it's just those those fine lines of not you know not being able to to execute on the on the biggest on, on the biggest stage. Yeah, it loses you. It loses you big games. Dan, what was your assessment? So I I really enjoyed the game actually. I the um... I thought it was, you know, it was a right old ding dong. And for me, it was just a step up from the games that that I've been watching over the last few weeks. So despite, I know what you mean by it, the sides canceling each other out a bit, but I just, I thought it was a good game, a really good game. I, I yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, I get your point about La Rochelle. They, they sort of almost seemed like they were going to, they were going to lose that game, but they, they didn't help themselves, did they? Like every time they sort of get into it because it was nip and tuck, they do something stupid. They, they give a pen away or, and it was stupid pens, really. A lot of them, like dull, you know, dull play coming in from the side or just holding on, you know, holding on, trying to get away with something that you can't get away with. And I think that's, that, that was the difference, really. The, the momentum, Every time they get that bit of momentum, they do something to 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 kill kill themselves basically, and that probably just came down to the experience. Really, Toulouse have been there before, haven't they? And you know they've got more, they've got more more just just a little bit more about them in terms of the you know the sort of history and age of the age of the side really, and in terms of who they are. And um, but yeah, great game for me. We enjoyed it. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I think Warby mentioned it in commentary as well, didn't he? Where he said about keeping discipline, particularly at the breakdown, because they were so aggressive into, particularly in the early stages, they were so aggressive into every single, uh, into every single uh, tackle breakdown that you you felt like they probably should have learned that lesson a little bit a little bit earlier on in the game. But I don't know if it's the. Uh, they're almost like this uh, this batch of referees. So what was it? You had Pierce and Barnes and Carly. They're almost like they're, they're becoming like these rock star refs. I think the, the good games tend to follow them around. And uh, yeah. and I do, yeah, I do. Like I say, you know, I, I don't think yesterday was particularly a classic, but I do like the way that Pierce referees games and you know gets gets things going. It, it does tend to lead to to decent spectacles. I think. Yeah, I thought you had a really impressive game. Pierce, yeah. Luke Pierce, the guy who refereed the, the Grand Slam decider. Correct. I uh, disagree then. Really? Yeah. Go on. Well, if you remember that that uh, fixture was the one, obviously we needed to win for the Grand Slam and mm. he suddenly started doing nothing where as soon as the ball hit the floor and there was anything vaguely resembling a ruck around it, it was use it, use it straight away. I, so, think, I, I think that should happen in every game. I think that's well, the this best, is my the point. Referee, yeah. The point, yeah, exactly. So my point is, I haven't seen any referee. Why, why that particular game? And I haven't seen any referee referee at the at that. What's the word? I'm uh, that hastily, should we say, at the breakdown at that pace since. And most of all, I haven't seen Luke Pierce referee mm. like he did in that game. Yeah, he hasn't done it himself, has he? No. It's, so, it's... Well, uh, I mean, what the fucking hell was going on that night? Uh, it, it was. I mean, obviously. Completely one-eyed, and it was a big, big. Uh, it was a very important game for us, lot. But he, he, the, the way the pace and the kind of the um, stress he put on the half packs in that game, 
has not been repeated by any referee I've seen since. Was it now two months ago, six mm. weeks ago? And he hasn't done it either. He was quite. He started the game quite high tempo with his referee in yesterday, but it soon slowed down. Yeah, I don't think so, it was um, the same the same level as that game. But honestly, I think that that made for that fixture. Like, and obviously, you know, it, yeah, well, I, 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 I wanted I wanted Wales to win it, but it's it was. Uh, I don't know. I just think like the, the the most boring part of the game, or one of the most boring parts of the game, is the uh, you know is the the constant ruck building and the caterpillar rucks and the box kicking. And the more you can do to well, exactly. on half backs to get rid of it, I, I, you know, I'd love to see everyone ref it like that. But he hasn't done it again since. He hasn't he hasn't carried on like that. He wasn't putting the same pressure on players no. yesterday or any game I've seen him in the Gall- have in the Gallagher Premiership since. So maybe he's had his wings clipped on it. It was Maybe. peculiar if you like. I thought it at the time, but it, especially if you watch the game back, it, it's it's quite astonishing. Like is how how pacey he's on. He's, it, it's literally the the ball isn't even there really. Barely even presented. He's, and he's, scre- you. he's yeah. screaming it. Um, it's absolutely it, it, weird. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it is it is a bit strange. Um, it's on. Yeah, he's had. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's it was strange. <laughs> Very odd. No, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be all up for it. Get, just get it in there. Yeah, but no, I, I, I like it, but I want it every week. Not yeah, agreed, when, agreed, agreed. Not just when it was our most important game in decades, or not decades. Wow, come on. Seasons. <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. Well, that was uh, good to uh, good to get your get your uh, various opinions on that, boys. Let's have a look at uh, some different. Anything else to add on the Heineken Cup before we move on, or are we are we happy? With that? There was one thing I wanted to mention quickly on a slightly lighter note. But there is some there's some really good throwback uh, throwback hairstyles and and moustaches going on from the La Rochelle side. I mean, obviously Skelton, Skelton rocks. Skelton's tash. Well. But the lad who uh, the lad who got sent off, Bossier as well. It's like that. He looks like a seventies rugby player. Well, his head does anyway. Like his you know his body looks like a bodybuilder, but his head looks like a proper throwback from the seventies. Again, I like to, like to see a lot more of that as well. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, to a point. I don't want. I don't really want to see the Exeter haircuts catching on anywhere else apart from Exeter. Um, and and j- just on that, before we, like you say, finish on the Heineken Cup, is um, it's worth mentioning to lose undisputed kings of Europe. Yeah. And if they manage things properly, if, you know, if they what they call the front office in America manage their signings and 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 their coaching staff with those halfbacks and the other young players in the squad, they should win more in this in this generation of players. They should win more European Cups. So, um, yeah, we're, we're worthy, we're, like worthy of it as well, I would say, because not only are they, you know, a good side, but they, 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 they've never been an up the jumper side. So, I no, I was really hoping the decided, you know, the decisive try was going to be the, uh, the one where Colby ended up in touch. It was just such a nice... Great break, the kick across the field, and and the finish was so so close to being perfect, apart from some amazing cover defence. Yeah, we should give a mention as well for Entom actually with his dad, you know, with his dad lifting it as well. That's mm. only only father and son to to ever do that. It's pretty special. Mm. Yeah, it is. I mean, a lovely yeah, moment. Yeah, it is, and you wonder whether that might be. Yeah, whether that might be repeated at some stage because uh, Alan Alan Peno won it, didn't he? With Breve, I think. And obviously, uh, his boy, his boy Damien is a uh, is a tidy player himself. Not that I'm saying yeah. that's yeah. I'm saying, but um, He's, yeah. yeah. But the trouble with Damien is he plays for Claremont. Well, yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> It'll never a, happen. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a handicap on his chances. Well, unless he moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time for Toulouse. He'd be all right. Exactly. All right. Let's take a look at, uh, at some of these some of these questions that have come in. Thank you to everyone who sent in uh, listeners' questions and. Let us start with this one. I know we've mentioned this before and in, and in fairly recent times, but this one's from Gareth Davis. Surely Corey Hill will be captain when Alan Wynne-Jones eventually retires. Uh, Dan, let's get your thoughts on that straight, straight up. I, I don't think it's a given, is it? I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely captain material, is he? He's an out-and-out captain, leader. Um... And for large parts of, I suppose, when the Welsh team hasn't had Corey involved in some capacity, whether it's off the bench or, or starting, the team the team has has not functioned as well. Um, and the way in which he holds the line out as well, I think he's he's definitely he'll definitely be in the mix. But I don't think it's a given. There's a there's a there's a few others around, but there's not there's not an out and out 
um, captain, is there that we'd we'd all you know we'd all put money on and say that's the that's the captain. So it's quite tricky, isn't it? Well, I think yeah, I think there's two things that complicate it. One is that you're right; there's not a clear out and out, you know, heir apparent as there was, you know, when Warburton retired. You well, not even, you know, obviously Alan Jones had taken over the captaincy before that point, but you knew at some point when Warburton was captain that Alan Jones would get it in the long run. The other complication is I have no idea when Alan Jones is going to retire. He could be he could be playing until he's fifty. <laughs> Like you know, I, honestly, I don't, I don't see it happening before the World Cup. Now, I think he's full steam oh, no. ahead to no, twenty three. No, no. The, well, uh, the complications I would see as well is uh, uh, Corey's not that young. So if we go past the next World Cup without Alan Wynn, Corey's got to be past thirty by then, I think. Mm. Yeah. And also, also, uh, not not necessarily guaranteed first choice. Although Jake Ball's retiring, so you've got Will Rowlands and. You know, people not around. So Corey Hill probably, well, and, and Adam Beard. So Corey Hill's de- probably definitely in the twenty-three or whatever. But would you? I don't know. Uh, I think, like you said the other week, Murph. I think we would have a period of uh, of the captaincy moving around a bit. I don't yeah. see there as being someone who's you know who's a ready-made a ready-made replacement like Ireland had with O'Connell and O'Driscoll and and all of that kind of stuff, where you had two you know absolute figureheads. I would say that. You know, if if we're looking at this summer, I think Corey Hill's the ideal candidate to to skip them. He's done it in similar tours before. I would have no problem with him being the long term skipper because I think he is. I think he's definitely in the twenty three every time. And if Alan Wynn isn't there, I think Beard and Corey Hill are comfortably the best pairing. But you're right, age age isn't necessarily on his side, and I think a lot. I think a lot can happen between you know between now and then. You might well have you know who would have if we if we having this conversation in. 2009 would we have been saying that oh yeah well Sam Warburton will be the captain by by 2011 I don't think we would we all knew he was you know he's captaincy material and was going to play for Wales but we didn't know that he was going to get it that young so you never it's a hard thing to predict I think but at the moment I'd say he's probably the best captain outside of Alan Wynn and Ken Owens um but then you go yeah you got tips in there as well you know so there's, there's a um, few leaders Dan bigger in there it could it might not go to a to a sort of younger player it might be yeah, there's there's a lot of leaders, aren't there, in the in the Welsh camp, and the the, the issue is that uh, with Alan Wynne Jones, you might have people like Bigger, but you know they, they could they could retire before him. That that's exactly. the yeah, that could. is that is realistic, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't rule that out. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, exactly, just because of miles on the clock, so, you know, like we mentioned last week, Dan Bigger's been in and around the squad for, since two thousand eight, I think. And so yeah. would he come back from the ne- from the next World Cup and take on the captaincy? You know, when he's I don't know what age he'll be at that stage. So it is it is re- when the, when the point was first pers- when the point was first raised, I thought well that's a bit optimistic. But actually, there's not many candidates, is there? Just because of age and the fact that there's a kind of a, 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 a not a load of new players, but there's a a, a handful of new players who. Uh, haven't shown anything yet in terms of, uh, well, captaincy or or staying in the side long term or anything like that. So yeah, it's going to be a big, when Alan Wynne goes, obviously there was going to be anyway, but it'd be a big uh, period of transition, uh, leadership and, and every aspect. Yeah. I wonder if we could see a nine, like if one of the nines actually really got hold of that shirt and took it. Well, exactly. This is exactly. Hypothetical we, moment, but, we don't even know, know which one's the best one at the moment. No, so, no. But it's it even if, more if, complicated. If you know if Thomas or or, or or you know Hardy did get it, and they you could you could then you know you could do a bit of a Warburton star, couldn't you? Give them the captaincy early and build it, you know, build it through. It's quite a nice position for captain, isn't it? If you've got a vocal nine and you know, yeah, they're all in their they're all in their mid twenties though. I don't think they're exact bolters. You know, they're 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 probably yeah, it's quite a nice age though, isn't it? Mid twenties. Oh, it is a nice. It's a nice age for it's a nice age for not having a saggy belly and going on the piss. That's, that's my that's my recollections of being in my mid twenties. But I said, although I did have a I did have a saggy belly. But um, it's yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I don't see any of those as being as being at, at this stage. I wouldn't say you've seen anything that says that they're going to be captains of their clubs, yet alone captains of no uh, the, the national they're, side. They're just not bossy nines, are they? No. So, um, that you know, that you would want them to be vociferous in some regard if they're going to end up captain. captain so, well, things mm-hmm. can change so quickly as well. Because again, you look back to that Argentina tour, and obviously, there was this kind of thing of 
grooming Corey Hill and Ellis Jenkins to to do to do these senior leadership roles. And Ellis has not played a game since the end. Of, well, not played a game for Wales since the end of 2018. So things can things can change because again, you would have thought that he would have been a lot more experienced in terms of caps. Would have done the World Cup. Would have done so much more by now. But injuries has dealt him a really a really cruel blow. But he's certainly one who's you know again was earmarked from a young age as being as being a, an out and out leader in the dressing room. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure where those where those next ones are. But really, yeah, it's yeah we're talking we're talking two and a bit years away. You mentioned yeah. injuries there, Jed. Though that does like injuries are are almost sort of dictating dictating what happens in the game now as well, though, aren't they? Because the players are, you know, careers are shortened. Uh, it, it, it's happening a lot more, isn't it? It's a lot more prevalent now than it ever has been. So you can't say that someone starts at a young age and they're going to see through 10, 15, you know, 10, 12 years in international. It's, it's quite, it, I think it's going to be become, you know, rarer and rarer, really. Yeah. And the other point is similar to the one you made uh, just now, Jed, about Sam Auburn is the next captain might still be in the under-20s at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, know, you can go from 19 to uh, 21, 22, and that's that's how Sam Morton did it. So it's a possibility. But, uh, still, Either way, that's still a big transition for the squad. It is indeed. And we're going to have a look in a bit more detail at that tour when we come back after the break. But we're going to take a very quick breather. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to the Attacking Scrum podcast. Loads to get through in the second half of the show. We're going to start though just quickly with a mention for our uh, for a good friend of the show and and of course our sponsor for many years, uh, Osprey's hooker Scott Otten, who's had to retire this week, aged just uh, aged just twenty six, uh, which is uh, which is um, you know real uh, real kicking the kicking the teeth for, for Scott and. Uh, we wish him wish him all the best. We know he's got a, a good uh, a good business lined up. He's been he's been doing the the coffee thing for a long time, but still really uh, yeah really difficult for him. And he will be coming on the podcast soon. But he's uh, he's been doing the big media outlets this week. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll let them have their turn with uh, their turn with Scott, and we'll look forward to catching up with him. But yeah, all the best from uh, from everyone here, Scott. And if you do as a listener want to support uh, a fantastic. Welsh business, you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk and get some great quality coffee while you're doing it. Right, let us have a look now at another listener's question. This one kind of builds on what we we're talking about, the uh, the summer fixtures against uh, against Argentina and Canada. This one's from Robert Giannotti. Does Pivac give John Fox the summer off to try new centres like Kieran Williams and Ben Thomas, or does he make him captain and the back line's focal point? Dan, I would give him the summer off. Yeah, I'd give him the summer off, and um, we got so many, we got so many centres that uh, that are sort of uh, float, floating around. We want to see, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's give him, let's give him, uh, let's give him a breather. Yeah, I mean, I'd be tempted. I'd be tempted to do the same because I just think any of those players who've got long term, who've got long term injury concerns, I don't think they're going to benefit by by playing extra extra rugby this this summer. You know, I think if you look at the likes of anyone like Halfpenny, John Fox, those guys who've, who've had really bad, uh, you know, really bad injuries and a, and a bad run of it, I think just take them out the firing line for this one. So I'd be very tempted to rest him. What about you, Murph? Yeah, well, I mean, we did say that if Argentina are going to turn up anywhere near full strength, we need whoever we can get on the pitch. But in in his case, there's an opportunity, I think, to do more rehab on his knee because mm. we've noticed that he's not as mobile as he was. And so if he can get some of the, or most of that back, we could then see him back to his best for Wales next season and, and, and the Scarlets next season. And um, so in his, in his position, I think it would be worthwhile to take someone off. Yeah, it's a really tricky one, isn't it? Because, like you know, like we've said, we, me and Dan have picked a million of these 
a million of these teams over the years where we've, and we've always said that just chucking in wholesale changes is just way too difficult. So you always need a balance of experience in there, especially if the Pumas turn up with a, with a strong side. But again, I just, I really feel like those players would benefit from, from some of the time off. So that's where I think it's, it's over to players like Corey Hill and, and those kind of, those kind of fellas, Tom, you know, I'd be tempted to play Tom Francis as well, especially with the, the scrummaging, um, you know, I know it's a little bit of a cliche to talk about Argentinian scrummaging, but still, it's not going to be. It's not like you're playing a, you know, a, a soft set of scrummages anyway. So I'd be tempted. We can to go with this. We can go with a very strong front row, though, can't we? As well, like if if we want to see the best of, you know, the best of of this side, we gotta we gotta have a great platform, haven't we? And yeah, it's it's, it's you know it's. We always say it, don't we? But it's it's so important, isn't it? You've got to you've got to got to get the set piece right. Yeah, and you want the, you because I think if you take, for example, like Adam Beard, someone like Adam Beard would have learnt loads on that 2018 tour to to Argentina, but now he's in that position where he's what are we three years down the line. He's been to a World Cup. He's got the Grand Slam and a championship under his belt. He's got a lot more experience than he's had before. Get him and Corey in there. I think as as four and five. Because that gives you that gives you you know players who've got proven quality at international level. Tom Francis the same again. Our most experienced hookers and, and loose head props that are available. And then I think in some of those key positions, where you where you're giving well, not giving them the summer off, but you're you're leaving out some of the more you know, really experienced players. That's where I think you've got to yeah you, know, you, you potentially gamble a little bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally agree. It's a it's a it's a really fine balancing act, isn't it? And it's so e- it's so easy just to when you don't think about it too much, just say, "Oh, look, get a you know, get a get a load of load of players in that we haven't seen," and and it just it, that you know has happened before, isn't it? It just goes completely wrong, and um, it's not fair on those players that are coming in because it's it's not you can't gauge anything really by it, can you? Because it just becomes a, a right old uh, mess, really. Yeah, and more often than not, when you've seen 15 changes, it's ended up in a tense scrape past Georgia, draw with Fiji, lose to someone else. You know, it, it's, it never, it very rarely works out in a particularly good way. There was that game we went to against Tonga where they they absolutely yeah. hammered them. But it was um, the only one it worked out. Yeah, it's the only one I can I can remember. Or there was like a hundred pointer against Japan about 15 years ago. But generally, it, it's not the same. So I think it is about. It is about finding that balance. And I keep going back to that tour in 2018, but I think that was a really useful tour in terms of finding out a lot more about the players and adding depth ahead of the World Cup. And I think this summer should be the same. I think it actually by quick... There's so many players now. There's so much depth in, um, you know, in Wales at the moment that it's actually going to be quite challenging to pick to pick that squad, which you couldn't... Um, you know, a lot of the tours, you wouldn't... You wouldn't necessarily have said that, but certainly this year, it's it's going to be um, it's going to be some really disappointed players that won't make the plane. Yeah, I did. Well, say there's it no on. plane, is there? But uh, well, yeah, exactly. But you know, won't, won't make, make the car, make whatever. Coach. But yeah, you know, you're you're right, and I think that yeah, again, like particularly in in positions like the back row, even with Tipperick and Falatag gone, there's so many options. Wainwright and Moriarty are playing really well again at the moment. You've you know, got you've got the um, the Cardiff lads who uh, you know played very well in the in the autumn. Yeah, there's there's loads. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, yeah Shane Lewis Hughes. You know, I saw an article today. Uh, I think it might have been Wales Online saying you know Josh Josh Turnbull should be considered. And I mean, what form, a player. Form wise, you can't disagree because he's been absolutely superb. The only thing I'd say is again, he's 33, and realistically, he's not going to get anywhere near that side when everyone's fully fit. I think and it, it's, it's crazy with it. Yeah, he, he's he's getting better. It's it's another sort of uh, yeah. It's good that you've mentioned him because he really is. He's such a good club player, isn't he? And yeah, I, I like he's time like week in week out. He's he's bordering on I would say man of the match in 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 almost every game that he takes to the field at the moment. He, he really is quite a special player. I meant to bring this up last week when he when they played against the Scarlets, but I struggle to think of a player who always puts in a massive shift against his former employers. Whenever he plays <laughs> the Scarlets, I swear he's man of the match. I don't think he actually picked it up in the end last week, but he, he was good enough to be man of the match. I just think, yeah, he's, he's one of those players who loves, 
loves playing against his, his old club. But yeah, his, his form's been amazing pretty much since he turned up for Cardiff six or seven seasons ago. So yeah, I mean, he's, de- he's definitely worth a mention, but I just don't, I, I don't know. I can't, see, I can't see Pivac, you know, making that decision. What do you think, Murphy? Well, there's no future in it. It doesn't matter how good he is. Um, I think um, I hear that Peter Thomas ranks him as one of the best signings has ever been made at the Blues. And uh, while well, he's been there, while well, Peter Thomas has been involved. Um, yeah, you're right. I, th- I thought he was man of the match last last. No, I, he should have been, but that, but he gave it to Jared Evans. Someone gave it to Jared Evans, whoever it was Sean Holly or someone. But it was Jared Evans just been left out of the British and Lionel Slider squad. What? <laughs> Jared Evans just. Oh been right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lionel squad. No, no, it's not. Be- it wasn't on BT. It wasn't. On <laughs> they BT. weren't. They weren't controlling the narrative, were they? <laughs> no, there was no. Um, yeah, there was no, there was no bandwagon to jump on there. I mean, he had just been left out by the British and Irish fans, but I'm not yeah, sure. But, I'm yeah. not sure he. Got, I'm not sure he. Got no one was email. expecting him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think Josh has benefited, and uh, this might just be my bias, but he's benefited benefited from not covering the bloody second row all the time. He's had a run of games in the back row, which is what he is. And uh, now that Cardiff have been realistic about you know uh, how many players you need to cover the second row and the front five, and now he doesn't have to punch above his weight all the time. He's playing well in his natural position. Sounds a little bit like Elliot Daly. <laughs> <laughs> now, now Cardiff have been realistic in how many players they need to sign from the Dragons every summer to uh, to come and play in the second row. Well, exactly. You know, I, you know that. I, I really feel like I am repeating myself now, but they went into one season with, I think, three recognised second rows. Yeah. Uh, I think ben Carter's off now as well, isn't he? Don't even, <laughs> don't even <laughs> joke, mate. Uh, signed, signed I think it was the season that they lost um, Anscombe. And they had yeah, no it was. Pick. Yeah, they had, and, they, and they must have seen that coming from months out, and then they, they had no cover when he left. They and they signed Josh him. Adams and Hallam Amos. Yeah, and they dragged Jason Tovey out of semi-retirement from uh, cross keys and yeah. then they went into the season and even if those three play three second rows stay fit to you know to get the season they will burn out because that's the nature of the position now it's why the clubs with money have, like i've said before stockpiling all this uh, meat everywhere and um, anyway they they've kind of got got the message now and they've got they, they might end up with if people like teddy williams kick on and then they've brought in matthew Screech, they might end up with some fresh legs in the second row for a change but also as well, you know, the, the point there about about Josh Turnbull, that is kind of what makes him su- such a good signing. The fact that he has always done a job for them, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, and that and to do all of those positions. I know you say he's not a second row, but I, I thought I actually thought he put in big performances in the second row for them as well. You know, it's just oh, yeah, no, whatever no, you whatever you need him to do, he'd do yeah, it. Yeah, no problem at all. But now now that he's playing blindside or number eight on a regular basis, he's having, he's kind of in like a you know, what you might a cheesy pundit's term, like an Indian summer in in his yeah. in his rugby career because he's just he's so durable as well, week. isn't he? Because he's he's very physical, isn't he? His head and 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 arms and legs are in places that he, you know, a lot of players don't put them, but he he bounces back, doesn't he? Just gets up, goes again, goes again, goes again. Next week, week after that, I, I also so, think he's got better over the ball. As well, yeah. you know, again, I, I think you know when he was in his in his mid twenties and was in the Welsh was in the Welsh squad for a while, you knew him for big hits and good carries and uh, you know plenty of donkey work and stuff like that. But I think he's got much better over the ball as well, and adding you you know at the very least bonus turnovers and slowing ball down. So yeah, he I mean he has been he has been a, an outstanding signing for Cardiff. Let's stick with the transfer themes actually because that is another question that we have had in. As soon as I can find it. So this one was from James Reed, who's recruited the best for next season. Obviously, we haven't seen performances, etc. But on paper, it has to be the Ospreys. Would you like a quick recap of uh, of players signing for each of the regions? Yes, please. I forgot to bring my uh, homework, sir. Uh, <laughs> so uh, at Cardiff, obviously Matthew Screech, as discussed. Uh, Reese Priestland is coming in, confirmed as well. Uh, then we also have one player leaving in Ben Warren, who is going to the Ospreys. Uh, the Dragons only have one confirmed signing of Will Rowlands uh, and players leaving Matthew Screech, Lewis Evans retiring as well. At the Ospreys, 
clearly been the most busy. Tom Francis, Jack Morgan, Ben Warren, Oshin Knott, Michael Collins, and Jack Regan. And the only player leaving confirmed to date is uh, Guido Volpi, the, the Argentinian um, kind of squad back row player. Scarlets, uh, Will Griff John coming in, uh, a couple of players promoted from the academy. Uh, but then you've got Thomas Lozana coming from Western Force and lots of players leaving. Uh, Schultz, Tom Phillips, Joseph Miles, Ed Kennedy, Will Homer, Dylan Evans, Paul Asquith, uh, Harry Dole, Oshin Not, as we said, uh, Azair Kasim, Jack Morgan, Werner Kreer and Jake Ball. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of change down at the Scarlets. I, I, think, I think out West is the best place to start because you look at that and my assessment is Ospreys are getting a lot, a lot stronger and have got a really strong squad with a lot more depth. Scarlets are having to sift through. I'm not saying all those players should go, but they're, they're kind of sifting through what was a massive squad already. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I mean, just purely on the numbers alone, you know, the Osprey, the, Os- the amount that Ospreys have, uh, amount of players the Ospreys have signed, it's 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 the Ospreys, isn't it? It's an easy one. But then you look at the quality as well of who they're bringing in as well. They, they, you know, they've, they've cherry picked a couple of top, you know, top Welsh, um, you know, Welsh players there that the the Welsh regions will be disappointed they're losing. And you know, they made some great signings as well that are coming in. And I've seen a few posts today as well that potentially Alex Cuthbert. Will be on his way to the Ospreys as well, which you know he's been. Murph will know a lot more than us, won't he? But from watching him, but he's been he's been playing well, I think. Um, or up until a few weeks ago, so um, yeah, the Ospreys look to be look to be in good shape, don't they? And spending spending a bit of coin there. Yeah, they are, and I think that with all the uncertainty that is knocking around those sides off the field. The Ospreys are the one with the significant private investment that's come in. And therefore, I imagine that's why they feel more comfortable in going out and making signings. Meanwhile, the other sides, I mean, Dragons in particular, Dean Ryan's mentioned it publicly that he doesn't know what his playing budget is. And this this is in May. And normally you've done your business by, by the end of January. So it's a difficult position for, uh, for you know, for, for the other sides. But, you know, that's the, that's the benefit of having, of having uh, investment in your squad. And I think... The, the encouraging thing for me, and we might have said this, is it's not it's not the the same kind of investment that we saw in the the mid two thousands, where they just bought every you know they bought in the best players in Wales and a load of fantastic all black players, and they were brilliant and they should have won more. And we've been over that. I don't think there's any point in the Ospreys doing that this time round. What they're doing, I think, is they're recruiting really cleverly, and they've they've signed Jack Morgan, who I think is the most exciting talent in Wales at the moment in any position. In my Which opinion. Welsh captain is he? I don't. I don't know enough about him as a as a character to to call on that actually. Uh, but I think he's, I think he's the long term future at seven for Wales, providing he stays clear of injury. And I think that could be, you know, that could be an absolutely amazing signing for them. And then Tom Francis, as we know, proven Test level competitor, great scrummager. Will add, you know, again, if Cuthbert comes back and and as to that, that's a proven, that's a you know proven test level player and the other players are you know Collins if he wasn't a Kiwi would be capped by someone else who knows he might end up getting a cap for Wales and then Warren and not a you know two other talented youngsters so it's hard to disagree with it being the Ospreys I think yeah it's a it's a very big kind of squad streamlining operation down at the Scarlet I mean Mm. some of it is retirement some of it is transfer out but you know they're definitely cutting their numbers uh, and I think any any Welsh region that is strengthening their front five with, mm. with top quality tight heads so that's the Ospreys and, and the Scarlets and also the Dragons with Will Rowlands mm. is for me moving in the right direction um, the trouble is that you know they're not easy to get hold of and I imagine all three of those are being uh, subsidized by the WIU their wages have probably been subsidized by the WIU in some way I'd imagine because it's so important to um, uh, so expensive to bring in players of that quality uh, and the other one uh, kind of left field-ish is Owen Williams to Worcester I know it's not a Welsh region but mm. I've, I've still baffled why he's never come back to Wales maybe he doesn't want to I don't know, but he's back from Japan and back in Worcester playing. He signed a Welsh nine as well, I think. Uh, I might have, might have dreamt that. I don't know. 
but it's a it's a definite. I mean, Worcester is definite Welsh flavour down there with Jonathan Thomas and everything. So, yeah, Mark Jones is down there coaching as well now, isn't he? And I think yeah, there's there's clearly a you know a bit like you know I guess a bit like Bristol was and is and. You know, if there is a, a Welsh influence on the coach, and it's tended to, to seep through into the playing stuff as well. But yeah, Owen Williams is a head scratcher. I think I don't know. I obviously he's gone on, and I think he's impressed most clubs that he's played for. I think you know his first spell. You know, when he was at Leicester, he went to straight away. I think the Leicester fans liked him. He won some big games for them. I think he was good for Gloucester. It's and yeah, I don't know. It's a bit. It's, it's a got to be money though, isn't it? He's obviously been offered more money. He is, but if yeah, if he had, you know, is he though? He's never even first choice anywhere. Like he went Gloucester for a long time. He just played second fiddle to Cipriani and whoever was there before that. And like at at various stages, when, 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 for example, uh, the Ospreys lost Anscombe long term. How much would they have given for Ga- Owen Williams? Mm. Likewise, Scarlett's uh, Reese Patchell's barely played since the last World Cup. Yeah, uh, they've had to rely on Dan Jones and at times Costello and whatever. How much would they say? You know, even if it was a season long loan. How much would they cough up for Owen Williams? It's, it's, it, some some aspect of it has got to be that he's just likes being abroad. I don't know. Yeah, I just I I just think yeah, the clubs that he's been to have. Uh, I don't know. I think it would be quite interesting to see how much he's getting he's getting paid. I mean, certainly the move over. Uh, well, well, you know, Japan, where he's Japan, come, Japan would have been Japan, good, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, Jap- yeah, and um, which obviously shows he does. You know, following a pound note, isn't he? But. Well, I think it also it also shows that he doesn't have any real uh, what's the word? He can't see himself playing for Wales again. Um, no ambitions internationally, you know. But then I think that that ship might have sailed anyway, just because of his age by now, you know, and the the number of young boys coming through as well. But even so, you know, um, he was talked about, wasn't he? In the in the in the sort of twelve, in that yeah. 12, 12 position, wasn't he? And, and yeah. Last time he was in the squad was was yeah. It would have been quite interesting to have seen to have seen that with a ball, you know, playmate, you know, playmaker. Well, he, well, he did, didn't he? he? He he got a couple of tests there. He did. Well, certainly, play, I remember watching the Australia. Did game he play one? And then it was he played against Australia in 2017. I remember watching that, and I have a feeling he played he played a couple that um, that autumn. Who else did we have then? I did. Did he play New Zealand when we went? We went to that one, Dan. I think he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, and, you know, he was good. Yeah. Uh, he was solid without being spectacular yeah. and was basically That's just right. never seen again. So I don't yeah, know. It's just the end of it. Yeah. You know what I just said about um, how valuable he would have been to the Ospreys and Scarlets? That works for the other two as well, now I thought about it, because the Blues have been relying on Jason Tubby. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, but budget, it would have killed it, I think, at the Blues. But yeah, if they could have got him, they would have had him. And e- equally, uh, Sam Davis has got no proper cover. Sam Davis is playing every single game because there yeah. is no one else. You know, the, the the only other cover is Lewis, who I think is yeah. is much better at fullback anyway. But yeah. it's yeah, it's you know they just let Arwell Robson's just gone as well. I don't think I mentioned that in the uh, in the players leaving, but yeah, Arwell Robson's gone to Doncaster or Jersey Reds or somewhere in the in the Championship. So Pirates, huh? is it Pirates? Is it yeah? Well, they, yeah, you know, it's um, I don't know Pittsburgh Pirates. Huh? Pittsburgh Pirates? No. <laughs> no, Pittsburgh Penguin, Penguins, Cornish Pirates, Cornish, right? Cornish Pirates, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I well, think, I think Martin, he has, yeah. Martin, Martin Madden played for them, didn't he? Yeah, well, and uh, Joe, Joe Beerman was uh, Martin was that Madden. We, that's where we picked so up. That was when they were called Penzance and New Lynn's, yeah, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then yeah, he came from he came from there to to join at the Dragons. But yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's those kind of recruits. Actually, it's a slight, it's a slight tangent that I didn't envisage just going on. Uh, the, like the Pirates of Penzance, that we are, but it's uh, it is those it is those kind of recruits. If you look at a player like Beerman, who was brilliant for the Dragons, like, and again, he was he was he was decent for the Ospreys as well when he went down there. But it's those kind of players who you've got to scout really hard to get. We said it a million times about the Scarlets, you know. Jake Ball's been a brilliant servant for them for 10 years. And it's those, it's those kind of players that make a massive, massive difference because you're not going out and, and breaking the bank on a player who is proven, but you know that there's the potential there to come in and, and build and make a really big impact. So they I don't know, they're the they're the signings that Welsh regions will have to keep making if they're well, going to improve. It's like Myler has you know proved to be a great a great yeah. signing at 10, didn't it? Yeah. And probably not break the bank. Experienced old head. No, 
But you know, would you turn to a 37-year-old if you could get Owen Williams? <laughs> yeah, that's... No, no, that's why I can only imagine it's down to pounds, but I don't know. Maybe mm. maybe it's not. Um, the, weird yeah. thing, the weird thing at the Dragons is watching, you know, is watching Angus O'Brien start for the Scarlets. I know he's not first choice, but with Patchell being injured, he's getting a fair bit of game time either at 10 or 15. And you just think, you're telling me he's not good enough to play to play second choice 10 at the Dragons. That was a terrible... He's playing really well as well. It was a terrible decision to let him go. Yeah, he's, he's a good player. He's a good player. Yeah, I think he's playing playing some decent rugby now. Mm. But there you have it. Yeah, so... The tens, there is an issue, isn't there, with like with with tens in the regions? You know, like it shouldn't be right that Sam has to play every game either, is it? Really, it's not. It's it's probably not. Uh, you know, it's it's risky. You know, it risky is. for him as well. But um, and it was the same. It was the same at nine until uh, until they brought in Bertrano. So I'm hoping there's a similar a similar signing up our sleeve because he's been a really good he's been a really good uh, player to come in and add some. At a different, uh, well, just just that level of quality, just someone who's you know who's not uh, either not a kid or not someone who's a, a complete journeyman. You know, he's come in and, and bought some real, some real class into into nine alongside Rodri. So it's yeah, that 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 at ten would be a, would make a massive impact. All right, last one to finish, then, boys. This one has come from Ben Parker, and. Ben wanted to know thoughts on Tom. While we're talking about recruitment, thoughts on Tommy Raffle. Is he someone who the regions should be considering? And the second one is Rob Howley a genuine option for the Scarlets assistant role? Uh, obviously, I think that the Rob Howley one stems from from an interview he's done last week, where he said he you know he would like to to return to coaching in Wales at some point and would love to be involved in the regional setup. I don't really. I don't know. I mean, even. Even with everything he's gone through, I don't see him coming in as an assistant. Do you? No. No, I don't. Uh, I just, I mean, I don't know how long he's committed to Canada. Mm. But I know he's got a lot of kind of uh, PR to earn back, if you like, from the from the incident mm. or the World Cup. But I, I don't know. I mean, if there's no other offers, then I guess he would he would take an assistant's job. But his standing as a coach means that he you know he could easily go in as a head coach in one of the regions it would be nice to have a welshman as a head coach in the regions that'd be a start well yeah Dwayne peel as of next year yeah and Di young now as well but oh. uh that up till then you know up until it was, Di young, yeah, it was, it was four, there was four and oh wasn't it yeah yeah so um yeah interesting to see i mean he's in like a kind of uh rehabilitation into the game really isn't he uh Rob Howley, this interview is part of it and being over in Canada is kind of lying low in effect <laughs> from the game and um I could see yeah. Howley ending up in a uh in a role in the English Premiership I think someone yeah. would want that kind of experience it would be a lot less pressure for him I, I don't know I I'd be imagine if he was head coach at one of the regions and things start going tits up and it becomes you know the the goldfish bowl that we all know it can be I, I don't know I just I just I just think for his for his own good, it'd be good to see him. You know, perhaps a move to a, to somewhere in England might be a might be a better one. But you know, well, he he had a job lined up, didn't he, before they all went pear shaped at the World yeah, Cup? He did. I can't remember where. Uh, Italy, wasn't it? Was it? No, Italy was. Was it? Yeah, yeah I was think you're right. Yeah, maybe. Was right. he going to be Italy? Was he? Was he going to be Italy head coach? Have I made no. this up? No, he wasn't. No. It wouldn't have been head coach. I think Italy was like the fallback afterwards, maybe, which didn't come off. Uh, it's, that's actually giving me a headache, so I'm going to move on. Yeah, I, 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 on that, I, um, I don't think it would be wise to come to, to come back to us. I think he'd, he'd be far better place going to England or or France. Um, just just stay out, stay out of Wales for a while, and um, and um. You know, just there's no need, is there, really? I don't. Put, I, don't I, I think a lot of pressure way, on him. Yeah, I think there's way more to be lost than to be gained by by coming back. Or even Ireland, you know, you know, Ireland as well. Yeah, go go somewhere with a you know with a a team that's a, I guess a bit more a bit more stable, more steady. Yeah, yeah. Well, a, 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 team, a team that's funded would be nice if you yeah, were. Exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Particularly if you were coming back in a head coach role, I think it's a you know it is a. It's a damn tricky one. Uh, what about Tommy Raffle then? He's, uh, 
at the back of my mind, I think he signed another two-year deal, didn't he? But what about him as a player? And I like him. I like what I've seen. But again, you think that actually back a, row is, is not somewhere where the regions tend to struggle, is it? No. This is the kid who was under-20s captain. Captain, yeah, at Leicester. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, he's been overshadowed at Leicester, Ramon, but that Martin kid, is it? Tony, what's his first name? I can't remember his first name. I'm not going to venture a name. I'll probably George, say George Giles. It is George Martin, isn't it? <laughs> I thought it was Tony Martin. That's probably a cyclist. Anyway, <laughs> he was a cyclist, and he's German cyclist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but um, yeah, he, he, I mean, like exactly as you say. I mean, even when we were talking about Jack Morgan, you know, there's still a there's still players who could be in ahead of him if they can stay fit, like Ollie Griffiths, Tim Basham. It's just shed loads. I mean, we just. We're just churning him out. And then, you know, technically, James Botham is further up the pecking order as well. So, um, I don't see where he'd get any rugby, to be honest. I, out of all four, out of all four sides, I think there's, yeah, there's so many, there's so many back rowers that I don't really. But he's in a good rugby. position, isn't he? Because, I mean, Leicester rebuilding again, getting stronger from season on season. Yeah. And if he can just carry on progressing his career in a side like that. And, you know, as time goes on, if he keeps keeping his, position first choice as they kind of strengthen as they go on then he then he's definitely onto something but I don't think there's any there's no need there's no clamour for him to be picked is there no no I don't think so so yeah again it's no it's no slight on him it's just circumstance isn't it and again things can change if you like you say if he if he continues to progress and Leicester obviously moving in the right direction I think that there's a lot of good noises coming out about Borthwick's coaching and the the way that he's moving them forward if you get back in that team and they start winning things and you end up, you know, you end up, you, your, your reputation gets enhanced massively because that the, the form is worth a lot more playing in the English Premiership than in, uh, you know, in, in European rugby. Yeah. There you have it. Beautiful. What a way to wrap up, fellas. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, actually, it's, it's, it's interesting talking about, talking about transfers this late in the um this late in the day but again I can see there being a bit more a few more recruit I think they'll have to be at the Dragons um, even if they're you know kind of short term or loan deals and things like that but we will of course keep you up to date with uh, with all of that as and when these things happen uh, we'll be back next week We, I believe we have uh, some Rainbow Cup fixtures to look forward to we won't bother previewing them now um, but yeah you'll, you'll get your, you'll get your fill of that next week Oh, back. Is, back. It, is it more derbies if it's more derbies I'm not watching I, don't, I think we're finally done on the derbies I think yeah. we're finally done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have that to look into, plus any of the other news that happens throughout the week. Uh, so yeah, big thanks to Dan, big thanks to Murph. Again, one big final thanks to uh, to Scott and so to, to so Coffee Trades. Uh, and again, yeah, if you want to get some top quality coffee, do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk. We'll be back to chat rugby with you next week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.